Hey everyone, welcome to Unpacking Perspectives. I'm Nicole Davison, your host, and today is our first episode of the new year. And I am so excited to welcome my first guest of the new year, a very good friend of mine, as well as a professional singer, a voice teacher, and quite honestly, one of the most incredible humans I know. So Amy, I welcome you to Unpacking Perspectives. And why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you so much for having me. I grew up in New Jersey and went to college then in Ithaca College for my bachelor's in music and bulk performance. And I've been a professional singer and voice teacher since 2009, um, which has been a journey full of lots of twists and turns and surprises. One being that this year I ended up singing the national anthem for over 500,000 people at 21 different sports games total. That's amazing. Can you tell the (laughs) listeners, because I just remember, because obviously we're friends and I'm on all of your social medias, but can you tell our audience all of the different teams that you sang the national anthem for? Because I was blown away when I would (laughs) see where you were going to be. I would say to my husband, look at where Amy is now. I've sung for the Philadelphia Phillies four times this season. I sang for the Boston Red Sox. The Miami Marlins was three times a season. I sang also for Chicago Fire FC, which is the professional soccer team in Chicago. And I sang for two NBA teams, which was a new league for me this year, the Orlando Magic and Miami Heat, along with a bunch of minor league baseball teams, uh, minor league hockey teams. But those were the, the most exciting ones that I've done. It's amazing. I am secretly living vicariously through you because, you know, I think back many, 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 many decades ago, I was like, I'm going to be a singer, but that never happened. That never happened for me. But I guess in some ways I'm kind of performing, but I just, I love everything about your career. I have so much that I would love to unpack in asking questions about how you got to where you are. You know, really, when did you know you wanted to be a singer? I think I always knew. I grew up as a, as a competitive dancer. And I would actually sing in the dance competition. So within dance competitions, you can submit yourself to do a solo. And I would usually do a tap dancing solo. And then I would do a singing solo. My first one was when I was five. I belted out tomorrow from Annie at this big dance competition, which I think was in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. And I ended up winning gold, but also in the under 12 category, I got 10th overall out of the solos in the competition. And I think all the signs were there that I would be a singer. I would, my poor brothers I'm in the carpool from their, from my one brother's high school, I would perform concerts for all of his friends <laughs> to the cassette tapes of Les Mis, um, to Cats, you name it, every Broadway show tune, I would make them listen to me sing And even in my eighth grade yearbook, I'd always wondered if my mom knew that I was going to be a singer. And she did. In the section in my eighth grade yearbook where it says, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said to be a professional singer. So I think it's something that really chose me. That is amazing. You know, and it's funny, so many of my clients and students and I think just listeners in general, it's almost the opposite at times where I'll talk about how where you are today isn't necessarily your final destination. You know, a lot of times somebody might think they're going to be something when they're young and then end up doing something completely different as adults. But you are a perfect example of the fact that everyone's different. And there are definitely times where you've always known in your heart that you were meant to do what you're doing and finding the ability to do that. Because obviously, you know, it is a very competitive industry and It has been amazing watching you soar and just do the things that you're doing and 
growing the way that you've grown, especially during COVID, which we'll talk about. But so Amy, I really wanted to just take a moment to acknowledge how we met. And I think, you know, aside from the fact that you've had such an incredible career, you know, you're in the midst of it, you're probably at the height of, of what you love doing right now. I really wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about our connection, how we met, and and really, I almost feel like we've been on our own little journey together since that first weekend at the retreat that we attended. So I just I want to share with our audience. I met Amy a couple of years ago, attending a motherless daughters retreat with a group of women that all lost their mothers young. It to me was transformative. You know, it, it was it was life changing. Many of the women that I met at this retreat were were and still are big influences on my life. And I am so thankful to have met these women. The foundation of the retreat came from reading the book, Motherless Daughters, that when I found that book back in the 90s changed my life, which I think it changed all of our lives. So I just wanted to acknowledge that because when I met you, Amy, I felt an immediate connection. I knew that we would probably be friends for life. And even in this short period of time that we've gotten to know each other and spend time together, it's it's been amazing. And I, I admire you. And I, I I can't say that enough. But you know, with that, I did want to just talk a little bit about maybe share a little bit about your story of losing your mom and maybe how that's impacted your life as an adult now. I had just begun high school. It was my freshman year. My mom was in a terrible car accident on September 6th. And then it was 2001. So then a couple of days later, 9-11 happened. Uh, my mom had had three surgeries on her leg. Everything was looking like it was going to be totally fine. And then out of nowhere on September 15th, she died suddenly from a pulmonary embolism that was because of a car accident. So there I was trying to figure out how to open my locker, how to find you know, where my biology class was, how to prepare for the, the Shakespeare play auditions. And out of nowhere, my world was turned completely upside down. And that's something that up until attending that retreat, I didn't know that many women that could appreciate what I went through as a teenager losing my mom. Same. Yeah. And it, it's really amazing when you can listen to someone else, someone else's story like you've just shared. And I envisioned walking through the halls of my high school, as you were describing that, you know, and obviously different experiences, but that resonates with me because losing my mom when I was a sophomore in high school, you know, it, it changes you. And I think about you and myself, along with so many other women that we've gotten to know, your career has evolved so beautifully. And I'm sure there's times where you're just like, you know what, this freaking sucks. I don't, I don't have my mom. It's, she's not part of this, but I know in many ways you've you've said she knows that this is the career that you're in. Does that make sense? I think because of the loss, I am not afraid to take chances. I'm not afraid to put myself really out there. I don't want to live my life wondering what if I had pursued my dreams? What if I had taken this chance? I think we never know how much time we're going to get. And I think it's important to fill every single moment with as much living as we can. Amy, you've just hit something for me so hard because so much of my life I've said, I don't ever want to look back and say, what if? And that's so funny that you've just said that 
And, you know, I'm sure there are many that feel that way, but one of the things that's interesting because we're all different, we all come from different perspectives, obviously. And your perspective on losing your mom is, well, there are some similarities. There's also a lot of differences. And, you know, when I lost my mom, I don't know if I am as much of a risk taker in my life. I I think, I don't know, maybe because I'm an anxious person. (laughs) I do. I tend to get, I, I, you know, and maybe also during COVID, like I've just been a little scared. And I think that I do need to take from that playbook a little bit more of just, you, you only get this one life and just, you have to go for it. You have to take the chances. You have to take the risks. And I admire you for that because I see some of the incredible things that you've done over the years. And it's just, it's really cool to see the accomplishments that you've already had. One of the other things that I just wanted to to talk about, because I do feel that our lives have had a lot of similarities. You know, I'd said this to you before, we are in a unique club that we really would wish on no one. And I know soon after we met, you really did go through one hell of a journey with your dad. And if you wouldn't mind, I'd, I'd love for you to just share a little bit about your father and, you know, what you've been through with him since really kind of take us back to, you know, when your mom died. Like I know for me, when my mom passed away, my relationship with my father changed so much. And something that you've mentioned is that, you know, he really stepped up to the plate and, you know, he, he essentially had to raise his kids as a single dad, just as my dad had to. But tell us a little bit about your relationship with your dad and what you've been through. Um, after my mom died, we became super close. We did, my dad had always wanted to be an actor, but never had the chance to pursue it professionally. So we ended up doing a lot of musical theater plays together. We did Kiss Me Kate um, at this theater called the Villagers Theater. We did this play called Anything Goes Twice, which we had actually done when my mom was alive too. And then we did it again after she had died. And then my sophomore year of high school, there was a Shakespeare play and they wanted one parent to volunteer to be part of it doing a monologue. So my dad was the first to raise his hand and he was so excited to get to do this, you know, really intense Shakespearean monologue. And I have all of this amazing video footage of my dad that I don't have with my mom. That's amazing. I love that you were able to share so much of your love of music and performance with your dad. And, you know, obviously it, it very much, I'm sure came from him. So that's really cool. For sure. Yeah. And then he always loved Disney world. So I think it started when I was in my mid twenties, we would go to the food and wine festival together in the fall for a couple of days and just go on all the roller coasters, all the rides, and then eat around the world at Epcot. And we even continue that after He was diagnosed with esophageal cancer completely by surprise, just from an endoscopy for something else. And there were no symptoms. It apparently is caused by acid reflux that we had no idea um, this was even a type of cancer you could get. And our response to that was to live. You always need something to look forward to. So a couple of days after we found out that it was stage four and that it wasn't curable, we booked a trip to Hawaii and we went on a bucket list Hawaii trip. And had just, you know, part of the time we were crying, we were at this Disney character breakfast at um, Disney's Alani in Hawaii, just like crying because we we didn't know if we would get to do another trip like that again. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to Pearl Harbor. We just really soaked up as much as we could in those nine days before the chemo and before the treatment started. Um, and then in the springtime, that same, um, in that same time frame, we were able to go to Disney World. And I think he knew he wouldn't be there for you know, when I got engaged eventually, or he won't be there when I get married. But he took, so in the springtime, a couple months after that, it was actually the last time that he felt 
really well. He wanted to go to Disney World again. And I think he knew that he wouldn't be there for, you know, the milestones to come in my life. So in the spirit of my dad, if you knew him, you know, this was definitely in his personality. He took my boyfriend and I on a trip to Disney World. So the three of us got to do all of his favorite things and just had a blast. It's amazing, Amy. And I, you know, I, again, I kind of followed all of this as you were going through it and I never met your dad and just seeing the relationship that you had with him and his embracing of life. And, you know, it was so inspiring. It it really was such an inspiration. And, you know, I, I couldn't help, but, but look at just my experience from, you know, not too long ago. And I didn't embrace that with my dad. And you and I've talked about this, you know, I mean, I think our family dynamics were very different at the time. And um, my dad was a very quiet man and he almost struggled silently. You know, he didn't talk about his cancer that much. He didn't embrace the things that maybe he should have. And it's interesting because it was later when he was really sick and it was just about that time for him to pass. I remember being at Memorial Sloan Kettering with him. And there were some times I was able to get into the city and I would stay over with him. And it was often just he and I. And I remember there was one day that we were just sitting there. It was late at night and he just pulled me over and he grabbed my hand and he, I'll never forget this. I'm going to get emotional just thinking about this. He's like, take your vacations. He's like, just take your vacations and take your time. And, you know, that really hit me because my dad, he was definitely a workaholic. Like he, you know, after my mom died, he threw himself into work. He worked literally from the moment he woke up in the morning, he'd get into the city, go to work all day, come home and we would have dinner. And then he would go back downstairs to work. And it's amazing how there's so many different stories of how people cope and how people go through things. I just, I wanted to acknowledge that, but you know, I, I know that that was tough to talk about. And I, I really appreciate you sharing your story because I know that there are certainly many listeners that can relate to really one of ours, you know, whether what you went through or what I went through losing a parent. One of the reasons that I really wanted you to share this part of your life, I understand the struggles of watching a parent battle a terminal illness while you're trying to be an adult. And it's hard. And you and I went through this very similarly at our ages, right? Like I know for me, when my dad was going through his battle, you know, my husband and I were getting married around the same time. We didn't have children yet, but we were both starting our careers and it was so hard to balance your life when coping with your parent being ill. And I know for both of us, what we've been through and you and I have not talked about this, but I, I'm pretty confident that you'll agree, but tell me if you don't, cause I don't know. Um, but <laughs> you know, I, I know when my dad got sick, I went through all the feels, you know, Completely. something that, you know, right. Like not, not everybody's going to go through this because when you lose one parent, when you're faced with the reality that your second parent is going to die, that's a feeling I wish I'd one. I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish that on anyone because you suddenly have that reality of, wow, I'm not going to have a parent anymore. And I think you and I were talking about this before. There's no guidebook. There's no, you know, you try to find it, you know, even these podcasts is part of the reason why I created this podcast. Not that this is going to be everything I talk about, but it's important in that those of us that have been through this, whether it's 
losing both of our parents at a young age, which we were, you know, losing both your parents before you start a family, you know, there, there's a lot of things that go into that with the decisions that you make, your career trajectories, whether it be, you know, you always knew what you were going to do versus like myself that I kind of moved around a lot. It's hard. And, you know, I, I really wanted to ask you, and it's funny because you joked with me before about this, but how did you balance your life going through all this at once? It's hard, you know, and most of the time it, it sucked. Um, it's almost like living two different lives. So I would go with my dad to his chemo appointments on Thursdays and they were in Monmouth, New Jersey. So I would drop him off. Then I would go teach this middle school musical theater class for three hours, doing all these Broadway show tunes, dancing, doing acting improv exercises with my students. And all the meanwhile, waiting until I had a break to check the website, to check the patient portal to see what my dad's blood work would be. Was he getting chemo that day? And you, you get to know like what the numbers should be and whether or not the treatment's going to happen so that you know kind of what the timeline will be for that day. And then I would, you know, finish that class up. And then I would drive the 15 minutes, most of the time crying, not knowing if I was going to get bad news about my dad's health that day, how many hours we'd still be waiting in the chemo infusion portion of Memorial Sloan. And then we would drive home after that. Sometimes we wouldn't get home until, you know, eight o'clock at night. And it's exhausting having the long day. It's exhausting emotionally being in that environment surrounded by other people who are hoping not to get bad news. And then it's it's really tough to balance things out. I This past year, I did 21 national anthems. The year my dad was sick, I think I did one or two. Yeah. So you try to keep things going. You try to keep your life somewhat normal, but it's really hard to balance that all, all out. And I'll say the one thing is that you never regret the time you spent with that person. Yes. You never regret, you know, maybe missing out on a singing opportunity or a teaching opportunity it doesn't matter what, when it comes down to it, all that matters is, is the relationships we have with people, the time we spend with the people we love and the time we spend doing the things we love. Absolutely. And I think, um, you and I both have a similar coping mechanism to some of this too. I didn't have it at the time my mom died, but I came to find that I love running and that those running endorphins, I'm, I'm pretty terrible at running. Um, <laughs> I did one half marathon where my best friend and I were almost last place. <laughs> but just, you know, that feeling of that you can do something tough, that you can push your body further than you think you can. I did my first half marathon ever with my brother, Mark, for our mom's 13th anniversary. And then you and I did that one for your mom. Yes. It's, it's amazing how you find that way to cope. And I, you know, and, and I remember when we did the one, I remember it was on my mom's anniversary on October 7th and it was her 30th anniversary. And you were with me for that. And that was amazing. That was amazing. And then I, now I have my sloth, my, my little sloth thing. Cause you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. you don't, you don't have to win the race. You just have to finish it. So, you know, we did it, we did it together. Right. And, you know, and, and Hey, that is something that I think can really help so many of our listeners with, you know, how do, I, I talk about this so much. How do you cope? And you found some areas that really helped you. I did as well. And one of the things you said before that, you, you know, you're not going to get that time back. The the relationships are so important. And, you know, that's something that I, I think I'm going to need to spend more time on throughout future episodes, because I still struggle with that, Amy, you know, and, and I think that's one of the things that I admire so much in just what you've taught me over the years. And I think that I do get caught up in the busy sometimes. And in some we ways I got the, yeah, we all do. Right. But I know my dad, 
my relationship with him was very different and I admired him. He was my, he was my mentor. He was my cheerleader. He was my best friend, but you know, like in any part of people's lives, things changed when he got remarried and it, our life was different then. So that's something that I'm still coping with in the back of my heart. So that that's something that I think some listeners might struggle with that too, where you may not have been able to spend the time with your loved one because of certain dynamics in your family. I think what I love about the two of us is that we can show that you could go through such a, an unimaginable loss of your parent and you're going to be okay. And that's important. And you and I can both attest to this. There are still days that suck. <laughs> There's <Completely>. like <laughs> just the triggers, the memories, the, you know, the fact that they're not going to go through some of the milestones that others get to go through, but it also made you an amazing person. It's, it's impacted me as much as I've gone through the suck. I've also gone through some incredible experiences that I wouldn't be the person that I am today without having gone through this. And without having that perspective that really makes you treasure and really makes you fill up every single moment with just everything you have. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I know for me, there were times in the past that I did feel alone and I felt like nobody understood. And I think that's part of the reason why I'm doing this, you know, just to be able to share these stories and to be able to help others feel they might, I mean, gosh, especially with COVID, you know, there, there's a lot of people that I know in the last 12 to 18 months that have suffered such losses. And I don't know about you, but when like some, some people close to me have lost loved ones recently. And I feel that physically, that pain for them. Same. Do you feel that? I do. And part of what I do as a professional singer is I, I sing a lot of funerals. Mm. And I think my experience of loss makes me more empathetic in those situations. Like I can really relate to how those, you know, the day of the funeral is one of the hardest times that those families are going through. I feel like I just really relate and connect to those families when I'm singing an Ave Maria or in an Amazing Grace. Um, there's something really special about being there in that moment singing. Absolutely. And really important. Well, and it's interesting because there are certainly people that might say, well, you, you just don't understand. And there's a part of you that wants to be like, but I do. I do understand. Maybe not exactly, but I can feel that in my heart, how much you're hurting. And I'm just sorry. And that, you know, and that's something that I, that I've found has really helped me to cope with some of the sadness that I've had over the years. It's just knowing that I can help others. What advice would you give to someone that is trying to start their career and at the same time, balancing either caring for a, a family member that isn't well, or that just suffered a loss you know, that they're kind of like struggling to just move forward because of this loss or this illness? I would say to be patient with yourself and to stay open to different possibilities. One thing that actually came through my dad's loss was when he was at home hospice, there was this wonderful social worker as part of the hospice. And she heard me playing recordings for my dad of my singing. I didn't feel up to when he was dying, I didn't feel up to singing in person, but I had all these recordings of, you know, like songs that really meant something to the two of us. And that social worker actually ended up connecting me with different facilities, assisted living facilities, retirement communities that have a budget for entertainers. And I ended up getting booked almost as a present from my dad for a whole series of concerts. 
at these locations that I hadn't been able to break into before. Of course, a whole bunch of those got canceled because of COVID. But just the fact that I, I got to do a whole bunch of them was just felt really special and really meaningful. Yeah. Isn't so you never amazing? know like what's going to lead to something or what kind of surprising connection might open up a new door. That's amazing. And you know, when you think about the individuals that you would be performing for, what a gift you're giving to them. I'm just, I, again, I did not know that about you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I know we're probably running, running low on time. So I, I did want to ask you a couple of career questions. Absolutely. I mean, in the midst of all of this, obviously you travel a lot for your job. You, you, you balance both the performance side as well as the teaching side, because you are a vocal coach, you, you know, teach voice. How do you find time for you and your boyfriend? And like, how do you find time? <laughs> um, that's another thing I, I struggle with for sure. Um, after this podcast, I'll be teaching online lessons on Zoom from about 2 p.m. up until I have some students on the West Coast. So I'll, I'll be finishing my day at about 10.30 p.m. tonight. But I think when you love something, you make time for it. And teaching, I'm so passionate about it. It gives me energy when I'm with a student in a lesson and we find that thing that leads to a breakthrough. Mm -hmm. And we find that thing that all of a sudden, what was hard for them is now easy. I think when you love something and you're so passionate about it, you have energy from it. And of course there's coffee. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> and I think you just, you just figure out a way. Um, I love that my schedule is like a puzzle piece and I never know what's going to happen next with it. And I think loss has made me okay with not knowing what's going to happen. A lot of the national anthems, I'll get an email or a phone call a day before, two days before, and I'll be like, all right, I'm hopping on a plane to Chicago tonight to sing a national anthem tomorrow. You just never know what's going to happen. And then I, then I try to set time off for, you know, like this day, my boyfriend and I are going to have some, do something fun or we'll watch a movie on Netflix or we make time. You figure, you figure things out. That's awesome. And, you know, one of the things that I was going to ask you, and it's, it's become something that has been the normal question that I ask all of my guests related to careers, how COVID has changed your career. And one of the, I guess there's a part of me that I'm thinking, well, that like you said before, a blessing and a curse, because some of the in-person right. performances may have changed, but the Zoom, all of, you know, all of your capabilities. So how has it changed for you? The teaching has been wonderful. Um, I love that I can click a button and I can teach students who are across the country in California. I can um, teach a student who's maybe moved to Florida. There's a lot more flexibility with it. And I feel like voice lessons online are in extremely effective and they're more effective than they would be in person right now in a lot of cases, because we can do a lot of wacky tongue stretches and a lot of different drills that we might not be able to do in person or people might not be comfortable enough doing in person without a mask. And I feel like it's opened up a lot of flexibility. And then you just learn how to pivot. Another thing that I've been doing that has been really fun and that I wouldn't have seen myself doing maybe five years ago is I am part of a musical theater improv team. So once a week or a couple times a month, we have online performances where we're part of different theaters that have booked us to essentially have 25 minutes to create a totally unknown musical. That's we get amazing. the suggestion on the spot and then we have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> oh my God. That, so it's funny because I went on your website earlier, which we'll talk about in a minute, but I didn't know you were doing that. That is so much fun. 
And what's really bizarre with that is improv, you never know what's going to happen. And there was this one show we did after, I think it was the day after Mother's Day. And a couple of us in the group is called Soto Voce Musical Improv. A couple of us have experienced mother loss. And we ended up doing this musical that was almost like the secret garden that there was some dead mom stuff in it. But it was like, it felt really nice. And I think I think it might have been called Garden the Musical. And there was a scene where I think I was, you know, I had a scene with like my dead parent and then the the, the dead parents had a scene. And it was, I don't know, there was something just so like nice and it wasn't necessarily musical comedy, but it was yeah. just like heartfelt, uh, a heartfelt musical that we created that yeah. came from our own life experience. Okay. Um, I, I have to share this with our listeners because I crack up every time you say dead mom stuff because I just, I love you so much because, you know, I, I'm sure that most cannot appreciate this humor, but I think when you live in our shoes, as long as you have, you have to find a way to find some, some funny, you know, you just, you just have to find some humor right. in it. And I remember the first time that you ever said that to me, this was years ago. And you said, you know, just my dead mom stuff. And I was like, oh my God. I love you so much. You were just amazing. And that just reminded me of one other thing I just wanted to to mention because you said this before and I thought this was really cool. Can you share with us the story you told me about the one, was it the first national anthem that you ever did that was on Mother's Day? Like what was, what happened with that one? That was, that was my big break. So I feel like after loss, a lot of people are looking for signs from their their loved ones. Um, a lot of people find a lot of signs. I haven't, but I'm always jealous of those who do. But the sign that I did get that I feel like was a pretty big, a pretty big one, if there ever was to be one, was when I finally got my big break in singing for sports, I was booked for the Philadelphia Phillies on the Mother's Day game. So it was the Mother's Day appreciation game. And I thought, oh boy, you know, isn't it funny that the girl whose mom is not alive is singing for this when I'm surrounded by a sold out stadium full of everyone with their happy moms. And then if that wasn't a sign enough, then two years later, I got booked for the same game singing God Bless America for the Mother's Day appreciation game. And I thought, wow, like that is, that is so cool. And that's like definitely a sign from, from my mom. Yeah. It's amazing. And obviously I'm all about perspective, right? It's everything comes back to perspective. And one of the things that I've always felt so strongly is to recognize that you never know what someone else has been through. You don't know the burdens that someone's had on their heart. And, you know, you're a perfect example of that. You know, here you are singing the national anthem to a packed stadium. Amazingly, might I add, and you know, someone wouldn't know, you know, what, what burdens you hold on your heart. And and that's where at the end of the day, just being kind and just recognizing that every single one of us has a story and we've been through something. And I, and I just think that that, that can create such a level of empathy and compassion that obviously you and I agree that the world needs more of that today. So I, I think, I think it's amazing. What advice would you give to someone that is looking to pursue a career in music? I know I have a number of people in my life that are, and what advice would you give to them? I would say there's a lot. And I wrote some of this down too, because I think it's really important. I would say to think outside the box and be open to possibility. The trajectory that you think you should have or might have might be full of surprises that might be better than what you had ever envisioned um, that the typical path would be for you. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there. I think a lot of singers 
are waiting for this perfect moment when they feel like, like their technique is finally settled and everything's all lined up. That day will never happen. Perfect doesn't exist. So I would just say, get yourself out there. You also want to have a team around you that can help you get to where you want to be. And a part of that team should be a voice teacher like myself, who's looking out for where you are now and where you want to go and how to get you there and what steps you need to take, what exercises you need to be doing every single day. And then to know your value and know your worth. And don't be afraid to say no to opportunities that don't line up with that. Exposure or a free meal that singers are so often offered won't actually pay your bills. And there's nothing wrong with just saying, you know what? My time's better spent practicing that day or my time's better spent making a video that day and not giving up my whole day to do something that's not going to give itself, not going to have a return. Absolutely. This is amazing advice. And you made me think too, obviously social media, I'm sure has played a huge role in the way that it changes. It could change in in an instant, right? Completely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Amy, I am so thankful to have you. And I, I know that we could probably do four more episodes, which we will, because we're going to be coming, <laughs> you're going to be coming back for other, um, you know, other topics over the next, let's say next couple of years. You never know. So <laughs> you never know. Oh my gosh. How can our listeners connect with you? Do you have, I mean, they obviously we'll put it on the show notes, but you know, to tell them a little <laughs> bit about it. Probably the best way is to follow me on Instagram. And that's just at Amy Sosnovich. Um, I also have a website, which is just my name. So it's just www.amysuzmich.com. That also has info about voice lessons. I have a contact form. It has info about upcoming performances. Those are probably the two best ways. Excellent. And obviously we'll put all that in the show notes. So everybody, once they, you know, go to our, to our site, they can connect with you, send you a message and, oh my goodness, I I could be on here for hours with you. And I am so unbelievably thankful that you joined us and just Every part of who you are just inspires me and I am just so happy to know you and I'm, and I'm thankful to have spent this time with you. So Amy, thank you. Thank you so much. And everybody, thank you so much for listening until next time. Thank you so much for listening to our episode today. I would be so grateful if you would share this episode with anyone that you think might enjoy listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast. If you want to leave a review, even better. You can follow us at Unpacking Perspectives on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow us at NMD Careers on Instagram and Facebook. And feel free to email me at unpackingperspectivespodcast at gmail.com. Remember, if you spend too much time thinking about the final destination, you might miss experiencing the journey. Until next time.